0: Love, talk, radio.
1: This episode is sponsored by Unique Products. Get 3 d by the captivating and mesmerizing effects of Unique's 3D Fiber Lash Mascara. With its all-natural ingredients, its water-resistant and non-smudging aspects, you'll be sure to be amazed with your extended length and volume of your real lashes. Out with the old boring mascara, be unique. Please visit www.uniqueproducts.com that's Y O U N I Q U E Products dot com forward slash Melrose twenty fifteen. Again, www.uniqueproducts.com forward slash Melrose twenty fifteen to see all of their great products and also to place your order. And make sure you let them know Micah sent you. That's be unique. <laughs> Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back to the talk with Micah and friends. And yes, it is me, Micah. I am so glad that you all have decided to join me and my special guests on tonight for episode show number 38, Centered in the Spotlight. Remember, if you like to subscribe and follow the show, you have various options. I first would like for everyone listening that haven't done so already to go and follow us on Facebook. You would simply search the talk W slash Micah and friends and click the like button. Again, the Talk with Micah and Friends, and click the Like button. You also have Blog Talk Radio, the site where we make all the magic happen. All 38 episodes of Season 1 and Season 2 are now readily available once you follow us at blogtalkradio.com forward slash the Talk with Micah. Again, that is blogtalkradio.com forward slash the Talk with Micah. And let's not forget iTunes. If you have iTunes on your computer, be sure to subscribe to the show within the iTunes library by searching The Talk with Micah and Friends. And remember, you can do the very same on your iPhones by clicking on the Purple Podcast app on your smartphone device. Subscriptions are totally free. www.hipcast.com. Again, www.hipcast.com is the last and final option of where you can search and listen to the show by searching the show's name within the podcast directory at the top. Now, here at The Talk with Micah and Friends, we are all about support, branding, marketing, and advertisement. So if you have an event, a project, or a business that you would like for us to have advertised on the show or on future shows, please email us at thetalkwithmica at gmail.com so we can make sure to provide you with your available options in order to get everything advertised on our show. I mean, who doesn't want their business, event, or project advertised to over 50,000 listeners each month? You can make money. I can make money. The world would be such a better place, right? <laughs> well, before we get into the meat of today's show, let's hear a few words from our sponsors, and then we'll be right back with Kendall Brinkley-Brown and Craig, the writer Stewart, centered in the spotlight. Mr. Landis Osborne presents Miss Northeast Royale and Miss Northeast Royale Plus to be held Saturday, June 20, 2015, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Categories include presentation, do your own thing, sportswear, production talent, evening gown, and over $1,000 in cash and in prizes will be awarded on that evening. Pre registration is required. Pageant open to contestants in the Northeast region of Maine, Rhode Island. Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Delaware, and Maryland. For more information, you can contact Mr. Osborne at MrLandis@aol.com. at AOL.com. Again, that is Miss Northeast Royale and Miss Northeast Royale Plus. Allison Thomas Productions presents the 16th Annual Carolina's Continental Pageant, an official preliminary to the Continental Pageantry System. It's four pageants in one night, plus elite Mr. and Miss, to be held Monday, February 16, 2015, at 7 p.m. at the Jazz Club at the DeVille Beach Resort in Miami, Florida. Contestant categories are presentation, evening wear with question and answer, talent, and swimwear. Prize package includes cash prize, Entry fee to the national pageant, round trip transportation to Chicago, Illinois, and hotel accommodations in Chicago, Illinois for the national competition, valued at over fifteen hundred dollars. Again, Allison Thomas Productions presents Carolina's Continental Pageant, an official preliminary to the Miss, Mister, Elite, and Plus competition in Chicago, Illinois. Sovereign Production presents. Florida Entertainer of the Year to be held March 29, 2015, in Tampa, Florida, at the Honey Pot, honoring Trendy Taylor, the reigning Miss Florida EOI and National EOI 2014, featuring performance by Tasha Long, Deranged, Nina West, Bianca Nicole, Aurora Sexton, and Tiffany McCray. Audience cover charge $15. Contestant entry fee. $100, over $6,000 in cash and in prizes. Again, over $6,000 in cash and in prizes. Registration will be held at 12 to 3 p.m. at the honeypot. Doors open up at 6 p.m. For more information, please contact Josh Maywalt or Chrissy Guy. All right? Again, that is Florida Entertainer of the Year.
0: Think for a minute what a difference you can make. Our democracy only works as everyone participates. So we have a choice, be a part of the problem or a part of the solution. So if you want to stay home on Election Day, don't you complain if things don't go your way. Your vote might have made the difference, really. A message from Vimy. Don't be left behind. Vote. For more information, go to www.eac.gov.
2: Let me tell you who to blame. Blame the boy lying at your feet his body oozing life through the hole in his stomach where the bullet tore him apart. Blame him for challenging you, for not looking away and for not backing down when you pulled out the gun. Blame your mother for bringing you into this world when she was but a kid herself and for dragging you up, not bringing you up. Blame society for not giving you hope. Blame your father for not being there, the man who looked after himself instead of looking after you. Blame the gun in your hand for making you a target, for making you more likely to be picked on. Blame the dead boy. Blame your mother. Blame society. Blame your father. Blame the gun. Blame anyone but yourself for not being strong enough to put down the gun, to break the cycle.
1: Well, welcome back to the Talk with Micah and Friends. And, yes, I am back. It's me, Micah. And if you've just joined us, you've actually joined us at the best possible time. Here at the Talk with Micah, we are all about showcasing new talent and those of the LGBTQ community who stop at nothing to make their dreams become their reality. It's very important to know that as a community, we are powerful in numbers, so we must support. If it starts at home, I truly believe that we have the ability to produce mass numbers in sales, productivity, and overall visibility if we support. Our very first guest I've known for at least 10 years, And he's been truly a a talented young man who pushed through each and every adversity to allow his light to shine. When I heard he was producing the EP, his first solo project, I just actually had to have him on the show and allow him to play his new single. So, without further ado, I want to go ahead and welcome to the show, Mr. Kendall Briefly Brown. Welcome to the show, Kendall.
2: Hey, what's going on, Micah? (laughs) (laughs) Nothing much. Nothing much. How are you? I'm great. I cannot complain. God is good. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for having me. Not a problem. You're welcome. I'm
1: definitely glad to have you on the show and excited to have your friends, your family, your associates, along with the supporters of this show, to actually hear your single, hear your music. But before we get to the single and the music, I want to chat a little bit. So is that okay? That's cool with me. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So, So for those of us, For those of uh, us who do not necessarily know you, I just want you to tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, where you're from, where you currently reside, all that good stuff.
2: Okay, well, I'll start with where I'm from. Um, I am from a very small town outside of Jacksonville, Florida. Um, The name is Palatka, Florida. I'm representing for BIMP every day, all day. I've been in Atlanta now for about 10 years. Um, But, you know, people say, oh, you're from Atlanta now. No, I'm from Palatka. I'm from Palacca, Florida. I'm a country boy. Um, With me, what you see is what you get. I've always been the type to just kind of live my life and do what I ultimately want to do, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. I can honestly say that I've lived life, I've experienced life, and everything that I've gone through is what has cultivated me to be the person that I am today. So I thank God for the obstacles. I thank God for the good times. I thank God for everything that I've been through, Everything that I've seen, mm-hmm. the people that I've encountered, and you know, I'm just happy to be in the place that I am today. You know, and I give God the glory for it. So that's just a little bit about who of, of who I am. You know how okay. I think. At least.
1: Great. <laughs> right, your own <all> perception, right? So <laughs> no, I, th- I think that, I, th- I think it's um, it's very well said, and, and it's definitely true. Having known you over the years, um, thinking back to your early childhood, uh, Kendall, what was your first experience with music for the first time
2: like? And what song do you remember most as a child? Oh, well, the, it was a song that my mom used to sing to me when I was a kid. It was up in the treetop, down in the middle or whatever. And she would sing that, like, when I was very, very small and even – when I grew up to be a teenager, was just the type. She would grab me, and she'd be like, up in the tree top, down in the middle. And she would just do that. She, like, babies me to this day. So um, uh-huh. that is, like, where my, my – my, <laughs> that's, like, kind of where my introduction to music came in. You know, my mom, she's always been a, she's, she's she's I mean, she's a musician herself. She's a wonderful singer. Um, she's actually sang with me at some pageants. <laughs> um, uh-huh, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so, like, she's all, I've just always been around music. Music was always a part of everything that I did. You know, she sang, and I can remember getting my first piano at, like, the age of, I was, like, four. I have pictures of it, um, and it was a small piano, you know, full size to me, um, but I started playing on that particular piano, and, and ever since then, you know, it's just been a, it's been a huge part of my life.
1: Okay. Now, now, what type of music did you hear the most back then,
2: you know, and how does it differ from what you listen to now, if it, 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 it does? Oh, my God. Like, the music that I came up on, was like, my mom, she had vinyls, you know, so she was okay. listening to Stephanie Mills, and uh, her favorite artist was Rochelle Farrell. You know, mm, I love her. like so. You know, I was listening to artists who who, who who challenged the norm. They were doing vocal acrobatics, if you like, to call it that, or whatever. She listened yeah. to real music. She listened to, you know, she she like she really really exposed me to different genres. I mean, I listened to country music growing up. I listened to some of everything, or whatever. Um, but yeah, you know, but mainly it was like music that that had meaning. The difference between now between like now and then, is like music. Now all you gotta do is have a nice beat, you know what I'm saying? Have somebody who spit a nice little rhyme on your, you know, on your mixtape or whatever. And, and 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 long as you got a popping, you know, track, you know, as long as the producing is good, like the production is good, then you know, what I'm saying you got it. Like long as you have a hit maker right. behind you all you gotta do is just deliver a lyric. You're just the face you know, really to deliver what that producer heard. But if the beat is crazy, you know what I'm saying? It's easy for someone to get a hit or whatever. And the the actual Mm -hmm. message behind the song could be nothing.
1: Exactly. You know, there's no,
2: yeah. It's more commercialized now. Yeah. Everything is to, Mm -hmm. everyone's like, they're they're trying to be commercial. They're trying to sell records. They're trying to satisfy record labels. They're trying to satisfy the A&R and produce for all of these, you know, these these, you know, these these other people that are taking pieces of the pie You know and, But then, you, you know, back then it was Go ahead, go ahead. No, go no, ahead, go ahead, ahead. Like, okay. But no, like back then, you know You could relate to okay. the music The music had message, you okay. know Like caught up in the rapture of love Like who who can identify with that, you know Come on, Anita <laughs>
0: like, Yeah, you know,
2: that's why I have all of her albums I listen to her daily But you know, that's the type of that feels good music. You know, that music that you know there, there 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 was always something, no matter what you were going through, no matter what you were dealing with in life, there was a song that you could identify that would express how you were feeling at that particular time. Back in the day, we don't have that anymore. Right, right. Do you think
1: that? Um, because the music industry has become so commercialized and you have to look a certain way and this and the other, and certain types of music is not necessarily being appreciated anymore, that could be the reason why a lot of artists, especially like R&B artists, are now basically releasing EPs and things of that nature versus going through major record labels?
2: i have to say so in a sense, because like, when okay. you're independent, you don't have the pressure of all of those labels. And most independent artists, they're doing more than just singing. You know what I mean? A lot of those independent artists, they're doing their, they have a team that's doing their production. If they're not doing it themselves, they have, they're probably writing their own music. So it's not really necessary for you to have, you know, a major record Mm -hmm. label behind you, unless you just want that mass exposure immediately, or whatever. I don't have a problem going through the process, or whatever. And I tell people all the time, like, even with me releasing my single, with me releasing my EP, if I sell a a million records, or I sell one, it doesn't matter to me. That's not why I'm doing it. You know, to me, this is this is a milestone. You know, because so many people have, you know, you have people who've encouraged me over the years, and they say, "Oh, we see this in you, we see that in you," and they always tell you what you could be doing better. But nobody wants to reach out and help you do anything. You know, right? Um, but, right. but I'm glad that I'm that person who I don't I don't mind failing. I don't mind because I know that a failure means that I tried you know, or that I, that I attempted to do something. And once I move past it or whatever, I'll get up and I'll do something else. So even if this, even if this music thing, as people like to call it, oh, this is just another one of Kendall's things that he's going to be doing for a while. Yeah, absolutely right. It could be. I could stop doing it tomorrow if, you know, that's what I'm supposed to do or whatever. However, or whatever, (laughs) however, I'm, you know, I'm just excited about this project and, and this project is really going to be one that r- really allows people to see who I am and to see, you know, how I think outside of everything else. I have talents. I have abilities. Yes, but they're, they're, they're numerous or whatever. And I just want people to see that, you know. I'm not concerned about selling the records. And right. as an independent artist, I don't have those additional, you know, pressures and things because that's not what I'm doing it for. I'm doing it for the love of music. I'm writing what I feel. I'm writing my story. Got you. What,
1: what what made you first realize you wanted to pursue a career in music? I know you, you've you been musically influenced mm-hmm. for a while, you've sung for a while, but what made you want to, to take the steps to go ahead and pursue a career in music?
2: Well, again, music has always been a huge part of my life, so I don't say that I'm just beginning a career in music. I started as a minister of music at the age of 11. I was directing choirs at age 10, you know, uh, playing for churches, like full accompaniment as the keyboardist, the pianist, uh, whatever, mm. like putting the vocals together, teaching the parts, like me and my mom, that's what we did. Like I got a paycheck; right. I was getting paid at the age of eleven. I was getting the paycheck coming in. So Kendall has always worked. To, you know, I've always had some type of hustle going on, <laughs> or whatever. So <laughs> you know, uh, how, Kendall, how, how would you describe
1: your music for the for the public audience that's, that's listening? Um, they have never seen you before, before or never heard you before. How would you describe? the music that you're um, setting to to put out in the next coming month? But
2: in the next coming month? Well, I mean, that is, that, that, how many things I put out will depend on demand. Like if my fans are really asking for me to put out something else. Like I have a ton of music. Um, I, but how, <laughs> I have so how, much how, how music would music. How and, would you describe it, though?
1: How would you describe your type of yes.
2: music? My type of music is a mix of a bunch of different styles, I mean, there's some songs okay. that are more popish um mm-hmm. I have of course, I was born and raised, you know straight up church boy, so there' are some right. songs that you know really really tie into my gospel roots um uh-huh. I have some 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 more hardcore songs that where my mom's like, boy, take all that cussing out of there, you know, she,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know She's let me not the cuss, you know, so right, so um, you know, like I have it, it's a mix of things but the the truth is, like, it's all me, you know. Like, I'm not all – yes, everybody knows that I, I, I will dance you down in church. You know, I'll be the first one to hit the floor because I owe God that. I owe God those praises or whatever. But in the same sense, you know, I'm real, you know, and I recognize that even as me being a child of God that they're different, you know – there are different variations than me. If you catch me on a bad day, I might have an attitude someday, you know, but I'm not, you know, mm-hmm. God, God is still working on me or whatever. and You know, my music reflects that. So if I'm in a mood where I just want to be by myself and I really don't want, you know, a lot of people around me, then those are the types of songs that I may write about. I might write a song that tells you why I don't want these people around me or why I choose right. myself or whatever. But then there may be a time where, you know, I'm happy, happily in, love, happily in love, and, you know, the the best thing that's happened to me up until now has walked into the building, and I'm just on the cloud, and so I'm writing about something that's more, you know, you know, something about love and, you know, emotions and relationships. And then I might experience a breakup, and I might write this dark song about how I can't stand the person you know, that I just broke up with, you know. So there's different variations to it or whatever. Some of it has country music, you know, country music influences or whatever, because I write for different artists that I hear. Gotcha.
1: And it it seems like um, just based upon what you you stated, as far as, you know, how would you describe your music and things of that nature, it looks as though that um, your music will... Kind of gravitate, you know. Everybody, some somebody will to take something from your music. Somebody, you know, that that may like the popish or the church or the inspirational or or you like right. you know the country, whatever it it, it, it's going to be. It's it's an EP. It sounds like it would be an anybody, everybody sort of thing. Absolutely. That's that's what I'm getting. from. That's what I'm getting from it, and which is really good. I think that's that's what um, that's what's needed. But I'm also like I just um, when I was watching the Miss Universe pageant, I was watching the day late, but I, I watched Nick Jonas. He was, uh, you know, singing on the show, and I was very, he he did like three singles. And after he sung each one, like I, you know, put him on my playlist on Spotify because it seems like his music is not necessarily, or, you know, a lot of artists, I'm just singling him out, that their music is not just gravitating towards. One audience anymore Like it used to When we grew up You know It's kind of You know getting, Stepping outside the box and, and allowing other people To you know From different um, You know backgrounds Things of like that nature To gravitate toward that music So um, I definitely get that I'm sure that um, The supporters out there And the people that are Inquiring will Be able to um, To gravitate Towards your music um, Question um, Where would you like To see yourself Within the next five years As an artist And what are your Long term career goals
2: For the next five years, uh, I really don't have any expectations. I know that with God, all things are possible. And Mm -hmm. I know that eyes haven't seen and ears haven't heard what He has in store for me. I know what type of God I serve. And I know that He's able to do exceeding the bundling above all that I could ask or ever think. So, like, I I, I, I expect nothing but the best. I know the best is yet to come. Um, I don't have any. Concrete goes in terms of my music career Because, again, this is just me Doing what I've always wanted to do What I've always wanted to done do. and now mm-hmm. I'm, Yeah, and I'm I, I'm now able to You know, to share that with the world You know, so I'm already satisfied I'm already, you know I already have my okay. gratification out of this Because I reached this success And then, to top it off Like, every aspect of my EP. Every aspect of everything that I'm presenting to you all um, <clears throat> was done by me. Everything, everything, literally. Like I arranged the good. tracks. I, mm-hmm. I, 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 I did. I, I sang the background vocals. I did the lead. The only thing that I did not do was push the record button. <laughs> and you know, you know i So I mean, okay. all, uh, every, everything that I, every dime that I had to pay on it, the advertising, every. Promotional item that I had to produce, I produced them, mm-hmm. you know. I, I but but I bear at the expense of everything. So, this is the, like the, the fact that I did this, especially having gone through everything that I've gone through when I've seen so many of my friends fall off. You know, I've I, like I, I've lost friends, you know, since I came out. You know, right, people who I was close to have passed away, they're gone. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I'm still here and I can still, you know, accomplish my goals and do things that some people said that I would never do.
0: Okay. Well, thank you so very much. Now
1: uh, I want to go ahead and uh, play for the listening audience your new single um, that will debut on February 5th, correct? February
2: 5th. That's my 32nd birthday.
1: All right. All right. Um, well, happy early birthday. Thank you. Thank Uh-oh. you. <laughs> So what I'll do is just in case I forget. But uh, so what I'm going to go ahead and do is I'm going to go ahead and allow you to introduce the single and give the audience a brief explanation, you know, as to what the song is about. And once you do that, you know, I play it for the audience. Audience, after we play the single, I will open up the lines if there's anyone out there that would like to, you know, give their reviews on the song um, tonight. Feel free if you want to just comment, ask him a question, um, ask him all the questions. That's more than um, you know, more than fair. I, I will allow that. And what you need to do, though, you will need to press 1 if you do have a comment or a question for um, for Kendo. So um, I'm going to go ahead and pass the book over to you, and then um, once you go ahead and introduce it, I'll go ahead and play.
2: Okay. Oh, wow, this is about to happen. Um, okay, this is a little overwhelming. but Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I really, really appreciate this. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Not a problem. Okay. Ooh, they better not read me. Okay. Well, <laughs> No, but anyway, uh, this song, uh, any person that has ever been in a relationship where you just knew this person was not good for you, <laughs> you know, you. but it was just something about that person, like they just had you just keep going back to them. I mean, it could have been, a, you, know, you know, imagination, you know, and it could have been a number of things that would keep you going back. But it was just something about this shitty person. They were all types of crazy. You know. mm-hmm. But you just kept going back to them That is the premise behind the song This is a relationship that I actually lived I'm not telling you who it is So don't call in asking me um, but, Okay <laughs> But but the name of the song is called Why um, Why do you mm-hmm. keep going back Why do you keep dealing with the stuff you're dealing with Why do you put up with stuff that you know you don't want to put up with Or whatever But you know it's just something about them You just can't let them go So. That's what the song is about. So I hope you all enjoy. Please, please, please give me your feedback. Let me know what you truly think. Um, here it is. Okay. All
1: right. We're playing Why by Kendall Brinkley Brown.
0: Hold on for me.
3: Take control of my life I can only be perfect sometimes I don't know where you getting right
1: Brinkley Brown, I was over here snapping my – I mean, of course, it's not the first time I heard the song, but I'm over here snapping my fingers, having a good time. I love the song. I really, really love the song. I'm, you know, I love music. Um, I grew up around music just as you have. But I, I love the song, the lyrics, the vocals, everything. And when you initially sent it to me, I, all I could say was it just it just gave me very much jagged edge, you know, because that's one of my favorite, <laughs> favorite guy groups. That's, that's what we what grew I up on, on yeah. right? <laughs>
3: i was like yeah i like it i like
1: it um so i I definitely enjoyed it um if if anyone out there you know has a a question or comment really quickly if you can you just press one um and i'll definitely allow you to chime in if you don't it's totally fine but uh before we uh allow you to leave first i want to put you on the spot so um do you mind me putting you on the spot Hey, it's your show. It's your world. <laughs> I can sit in okay, so so, what's your favorite guy for inspirational song?
2: Oh my God, I have so many of them. Give um, me one that you love to sing. I think one that on one, yeah, one that one that really 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 uh like resonates with me is "It Is Well With My Soul." Like no matter what it is that you're dealing with, no matter where you are in life or whatever at least for me, I've just learned to know that even in the midst of what I'm going through, God is still there, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever. So no matter what it is, like, it's well with my soul because I know God's got me. Most definitely. Yes,
1: most definitely. I, and I love that song, I grew up in the Baptist church. So that that's um, actually one of my favorites to sing in church, um, as a matter of fact. So um, would, would you mind giving <clears> us a, a quick rendition, 30 seconds of, of It Is Well With My Soul? Okay, I can do that.
3: Okay. So when peace like a river attended my way, Thou hast to- Thank you.
1: Thank you so very much. You almost, <laughs> <up over here. laughs> almost teared up over here. Almost teared up. So, so so everybody, I want to put you on the spot and let people know that you can really, really sing. <laughs> okay. Oh, no, that's not really no problem, really big. No problem at all. Um, now, uh, before I let you go, I do have two more things, and, and I'll be done with you. Number one, where can the listening audience purchase your new single when it debuts on February fifth?
2: I' believe the purchase directed through my website uh I'll just tell you this way um uh CD baby um it will be on their site it will be on my website as well as itunes uh amazon um it will be streamed on pandora it will be streamed on spotify um mm, okay even on youtube guys what you do gonna realize is when you use um artist music um if you play if you add it to a video clip. Um, and you play mm-hmm. it online, um, they allow us to monetize uh, these things. So we can actually make money just from you playing the music on, on YouTube. So it's not really a lot that you have to do to support us, you know, and, and to help us out as artists. But, yeah, you can even just through playing it on YouTube, just just going to the clip and repeatedly playing it, however, even if you're not in the room, just play it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> no, okay. okay. But it'll be on there as well. Now with iTunes um, and Amazon, we get paid quarterly. Of course, it would be great for me to chart on iTunes and for me to get crazy sales, but that's not really, really a huge thing. The honest to God truth is every dime that I get from this, I'm just putting it back into producing and and pushing more music or whatever. You know, this is basically fueling the engine or whatever uh, for me to be able to just keep bringing you all music. So um, CD Baby, uh, directly through my website, um, February 5th, those come directly to me immediately. I don't have to wait each to the end of the quarter to actually receive those revenues. Uh, so, um, you, But you can purchase them any of those places. Okay. And your website? Uh, it's KendallBrinkleyBrown.com. Oh. Ken, you, you can okay. find it at KendallBrinkleyBrown.com, KendallMix.com, um, Kendall Mix on all the social media, um, or you can just search Kendall Brinkley Brown.
1: Okay, thank you so very much. And last, just for fun, I would like you to fill in the blank. Okay, so I just want you to fill in, okay. fill in the blanks no. to this particular. Ooh. You know, to these okay. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's not bad, not bad at all. Okay. Um, so you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, without music,
2: I would be voiceless. Music is lethargic.
1: My music makes me feel.
2: <laughs> oh, uh, like having sex. Okay, I
1: write songs because.
2: Uh, one word. Uh, does
1: it
2: have to give it you out? What <laughs> yeah. you say? You said does it have to be what? Uh, are you up it has to be one word? Oh no, Uh, uh-uh. Not at all. Oh, okay. Um to get my point across, like... Okay. And the last one. Support music because
1: Well, you guys I guess you didn't want to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Well anyway. Um, I'm sure that was a, a technical error. But, I, again, I want to thank Kendall for joining us. Um, of course, Kendall, I'm sure when you tune in you'll hear me, but uh, I can't wait until your entire EP is released. Um, congrats again. Again, you can catch him or be able to um, pull his music from City Baby, his website, com, iTunes, Amazon, Pandora, and Spotify. So if you are on any of those, um, you can uh, – Hold on, he said he was calling back, so I'm trying to see if I can pull him really quickly. If not, it's gonna be so sad, right? So sad, too bad, so sad. Well, anyway, support our boy, Kendall Brinkley Brown. Thank you so very much. Again, catch him on City Baby, his website, kendallbrinkleybrown.com. iTunes, Amazon, Pandora, and Spotify, okay? All right. So we have our um our next uh guest will be coming up in just a second, after our grand gorgeous and gag segment. And of course, a quick announcement, and we're going to have um, next on tonight's lineup, author of Words Never Spoken, Mr. Craig Stewart. So stay tuned. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Grand, Gorgeous, and Gag. This is Joelle Canales with your beauty tip of the day. This goes out to all the gentlemen out there. It is important to exfoliate your skin two to three times a week. You can use a mild soap or a cleansing brush. By doing this, you will remove the dead skin, minimize the size of your pores, and remove any dark spots on the skin resulting from sun damage, acne scars, or even age spots. It will even minimize fine lines and wrinkles. Your skin will look years younger. I guarantee it. Thanks again for joining us for another segment of Grand, Gorgeous, and Gag. This is Joelle Canales. Until next time. We have American Idol, America's Got Talent, and The Voice. Well, here's your chance to showcase your talent all while getting a prize in the end, just like the televised talent shows mentioned. The Talk with Micah presents Micah's Talent Sensation Showcase 2015. Now, do you think you have what it takes? Do you have talent? Do you sing? Do you rap? Well, if so, this talent showcase is definitely for you. Next week, On February 3rd, 2015, the Talk with Micah would like to showcase 15 upcoming artists or groups that would like to enter into this virtual talent show. Now, you don't necessarily have to aspire to become a famous singer or rapper, but maybe you just have the talent and you don't mind showcasing for a prize from the show. Now, if that's you, then hey, we want to hear from you. If you think you have what it takes to win the very first Talent Sensation Showcase, please email us at thetalkwithmica at gmail.com. Again, that's thetalkwithmica at gmail.com. Now, here's how it will go. Once you email us to confirm that you would like to compete or participate, you will receive an auto email from the show asking you to submit a 30-second audio or video for an audition purpose. From the entries, we will select the top 15. That will be showcased on next week's show. Each top 15 contestant will perform a 45- to 60-second performance for our listening audience live on the air. Now, very important, this will be a cappella, okay? No music needed, all right? All right. Now, once our contestants have showcased their talent, we will have a poll line and a website set up for the listeners to either text their choice for top talent or select via the website given after the show has been aired. Now, combined with your votes and our three judges, we will announce the final five who have the chance the following week to sing or rap live for two whole minutes, okay? And the choice will now be left in the hands of the listeners. Just like the previous week, the listeners will have the chance to either enter there or submit their choices via text or via the poll website. Now, trust me, I know there's talent out there. I've seen it and I've heard it, okay? Now, it's just simply time to let the world know who you are because remember – Honestly, messing with my show, you never know who's listening, right? So if you want to inquire to be a contestant, please email us at thetalkwithmica at gmail dot com. Again, that's the at gmail dot com. And also if you know someone that you know you want to recommend you think should, you know, give it a shot, hey, let them know. Give them the email, tell them to submit. We'll love to have them, okay? And remember, very important, all entries must be submitted no later than January thirty first. That's gonna be this Saturday, okay? So please get your entries in as soon as possible. Again, Micah's Talent Sensation Showcase, 2015. Who's got talent? Are you ready? Craig Stewart is one of America's most gifted writers. Uh, his work debuted on stage in Atlanta with A Day in the Life, wowing sold out audiences and critics alike. Stewart returned with, with his highly anticipated memoir, Words Never Spoken. Now, Words Never Spoken details his journey as a songwriter, an entrepreneur, a playwright, and self-discovery as a gay black man living in Atlanta, Georgia. Stewart writes candidly about his private conversations with media mogul Tyler Perry. Uh, Stewart also pulls us through the rise and the fall of his musical relationship with Grammy Award-winning recording artist Brandi Norwood. And Stewart's story is as clean and crisp as the early works of the late Elin Harris, one of my favorite writers, actually. So, let's welcome to the show author of Words Never Spoken, a memoir, Mr. Craig Stewart. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you, Michael. How are you? I'm wonderful. What about you?
4: I'm great. I can't complain. Thank you for
1: having me. Not a problem. Definitely appreciate it. I mean, they've been hearing your voice for the last four or five months uh, as far as, the, you know, the audio announcements they're playing. So it was, it was time. It was time to have you on. But I'm I'm glad that you took out the time to meet with me on tonight um and sit and with you know with my audiences virtually. I definitely appreciate it. And to my listening audience if during the interview you have a question or a comment, especially one that I haven't asked, um feel free to press one and I will try my very best to get to you um and and have you um in on the action. So, Craig, are you ready? I am. Okay. So tell us just a little bit about your background, you know, where you're from, your current state of residence, all that good stuff. just give us a little background before we get into the meat of it. Okay. I'm originally
4: from Baltimore, and I graduated from Hampton University in Virginia.
1: And two days after I
4: graduated from Hampton, I moved to Atlanta to write music. And I lived in Atlanta for about 13 years, Mm -hmm. up until the point that I wrote this book. Uh, And I moved to L.A., lived in L.A. for about a year, and I realized while I was there that the only reason I moved to LA was because I was intended to write this book. I didn't have intentions of ever writing a book, and so after a year of being being in LA, I came back to Atlanta for about a year. And basically, I was here because I had written and produced a play called A Day in the Life, as you mentioned, and it had mm-hmm. sold out here, but it had flopped two times and sold out again. And so I had a quote-unquote following here in Atlanta. So I knew that if I came here to
0: release the book,
4: that I could. I could get the ball rolling, so to speak. So I came back for about nine months, and I used Atlanta as my base, and I would just travel from city to city touring with the book. And Mm -hmm. um, I left after that, went back home to Maryland for about a year and a half because I wanted to do more with the book in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. And um, I recently just came back to Atlanta.
1: Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, Why did you begin writing? So so, tell me about why did you you know initially begin writing and what inspired you to write? What or who inspired you to write the first this first book? Well,
4: writing in general was just something that came natural to me, and I realize now that it's just a gift. It's just it's just my gift, and it's my contribution. Um, I believe it's my life's life's purpose. But I went to college for journalism, and at the at the time, I thought that I wanted to be on the news. I thought that I wanted to do the national news, like I was inspired by Ed Bradley and Diane Sawyer and people like that. But when I was a sophomore in college, I realized that I didn't want to write news. I wanted to do more of a creative writing. So I moved to Atlanta to write music. I was doing music for a while. I had written, I worked with Tweet. I had worked with Brandy, and I worked with a host of different producers and songwriters here in Atlanta who had songs placed on albums. But I just could never get a song placed on an album. And so I had all these great songs recorded, but it just never. When it came down to choosing the songs and selecting the songs for the album, they just never made the project. And so I started getting frustrated with it. And at the same time that I was writing music, I was coming to terms with being gay. And so I was juggling like what was going going on in my personal life with the feelings and and getting mm-hmm. acclimated into the gay community and learning my place so to speak, in the gay community, but I was also still trying to juggle this whole writing thing. And so I got frustrated with the writing, and because of the first relationship that I had with the first guy that I dated, I ended up Mm -hmm. writing a play called A Day in the Life, and that play was inspired by this particular relationship because he was HIV positive, and I found out two months after we met. And Mm -hmm. so I ended up writing a play called A Day in the Life, And it sold out. And Tyler Perry came to the show, said the show was brilliant. And so I was just on this path to take the show national. But after several setbacks financially and and not being personal setbacks financially and not being able to get the funding to take the show national, I started a greeting card company, which I still have. It's called Say It in a Card. And Mm -hmm. Say It in a Card, we we were online and in seven stores in the Atlanta area. And so you can actually go on the website setinacard.com, read the cards, order the cards, and we'll ship them to you. And so I started writing these greeting cards with the gay community in mind because none of the cards are gender-specific, meaning you can give any card to a male or to a female because when I was looking for cards for people in my life that I cared about, they were always from a male to a female or female to a male. you know. And right, with exactly. the same relationship, it just didn't fit. And so we have breakup cards, trouble relationship cards, sympathy cards, you name it, we have it.
2: And so mm-hmm.
4: I started focusing on the greeting card business. And just after being here in Atlanta for 13 years and the economy turned back in 2010, I believe, the 2010 year, and all of the, car, the stores that were carrying the cards ended up going out of business. So my card was repossessed, okay. my bank account was overdrawn, Um, by $660. Um, Everything that could go wrong was going wrong. There were eviction notices on my door every month. And so I started staying with a friend of mine, and I was just really frustrated, and I was just kind of existing. I was just existing in Atlanta, just not really knowing what my purpose was, and I really kind of felt like I was on the wrong course. I was starting to Mm -hmm. think that perhaps I wasn't supposed to be a writer, and I wasn't as great a writer as I thought because none of the things that I had Focused on was was panning out, and so right, right. in the book I talk about how there was a whisper. I got this whisper because I believe that this writing this book was really a spiritual thing for me, um, because I got this whisper to move to L.A. and I ignored it. And about three months later, I got the same whisper again that I needed to move to L.A. And so three months after that, I ended up moving to L.A. in 2011, and. Two months after I was in L.A., I started writing this book, and I've been touring ever since 2012 with the book. And I realized that all of the things that went wrong in Atlanta financially for me, like the car being repossessed, the
2: the Mm -hmm. bank account,
4: everything, I realized that that stuff happened because God was trying to push me to L.A. God was trying to make things so difficult for me in Atlanta so that I would move to L.A. to be able to write this book. I believe that this book is... My life's purpose, and I wanted to write a book. Once I realized that's what I was doing, I wanted to write a book that would speak to the frustration and the complications that come with being gay. I wanted to write a book that would speak to and for black gay men, because there hadn't been a book that was written from this perspective.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha.
1: So, so tell me about this title. How did how did you come up? Because the the title is very unique. So, so how did you come up? With that particular title, Words Never Spoken?
4: Because it was, it, it's a double entendre. It's things that I had never talked about, things that I had never mm-hmm. said out loud, but not just things that I had never talked about, but things that we, as a community, as a people, we never talk about. Um, whether it's the illicit, sexual, underground things that we sometimes participate in that we never really talk about. Um, or whether it was me writing checks, writing checks and, you know, basically fraud, you know, uh, right. handling counterfeit money, um, using credit cards um, fraudulently, you know, just all of those things, that those unspoken things. So I wanted to yeah. write about all of those things, it's even like down to the feelings of the attraction for someone of the same sex and just trying to fight those those urges. And right. uh, so that 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 was really the that was the focus behind the title.
1: Okay. And, and every novel or every book or memoir, um, a, a lot of them, you know, of course, when they come from you know a certain place, you know, it, they have messages, you know. Um, so is there a message? And which I, I'm sure there, because I got many messages, as you know. <laughs> you know. I got many messages, and I share with share with my my friends and followers on Facebook, but. Um, yeah. Uh, tell us about any messages in your novel that you want readers to grasp. The ones that actually have it and have read it, as well as the ones who will be picking it up after after tonight's show.
4: Well, well, for me, like when I started writing the book, I I thought that this was my story. As a result of being on tour now with this book for almost three years, I realized that it is not just my story. That the story doesn't doesn't just belong to me. It is our story, and when I say our that's not limited to race, gender, or sexuality. Um, I've gotten just as many emails from women as I have from um, men who happen to be gay. Mm-hmm. But for, for me, this book was about all of the things that shaped and changed and molded me um, to be the person that I am. So it's my parents' divorce and how it impacted me and the kinds of relationships that I would end up in. Um, it's my sister's drug addiction. My brother spent 23 years in jail, and then it's also my journey as a writer in, in particular and um, coming to terms of being gay and juggling that. So it's juxtaposed with my writing career and coming to terms of being gay. So for me, the theme is, the dominant theme for me is live, mm-hmm. live your life without apology. You know, so many gay men, yes. and in particular so many black gay men, still struggle with the right or wrong of being gay. You know, and so the theme is live your life without apology. You know, get free. Set yourself free because there's so many men, so many gay men that are locked in this mental bondage, you know, because spending their entire lives apologizing for being who you were created to be, living these secret lives, these double lives. And one of the things that I've realized, I have to say this, one of the things that I've Mm -hmm. realized as as a result of having these conversations uh, with the book and different book signings, I realize that there's an emotional trauma that happens um, in the coming out process. And mm-hmm. generally that, that that emotional trauma occurs while we're still in the closet because it's in the closet that we teach ourselves how to cheat, how to sneak, how to lie, not just to lie to ourselves but to lie to, about our sexuality, but also how to lie to friends and family members about who we are and where we were the night before and where we're going and who we're with. You know, so, and then when we finally come through, come out of the closet and we come into this community and begin to have friendships and relationships with other same-sex or gay people or trans people, we don't know how to leave that dysfunction back in the closet. We, we forget to deprogram all of the things that we taught ourselves about who we thought we had to be because we were gay.
1: If that makes sense. Most definitely. How do How do you think um, a person who, because, like you say, all of us struggle at some point, you know, of the coming mm-hmm. out, you know, so things are not as, you know, I came out uh, two thousand. Ish, you know, it's like 2000 I think that's when I came out, so that's what, 15 years ago Almost 15 years ago, you know But even, you know, that time, 15 years ago Compared to now, it's a lot I, I, I think, you know, I don't know, but I think that it's a lot Easier, but, you know, for the ones that Still struggle, you know, how do they get to that place Or what are the steps that you believe In your own opinion that they need to You know, take in order to, you know Walk into that, walk into their truth And be comfortable within their sexuality Versus hiding behind, you know be so Closed doors
4: well, I think that it's subjective to say that it's easier now to come out. In some ways, I would agree, okay. yeah, it is easier to come out now. Mm-hmm. When you're that person, when you're walking in that person's shoes, <clears throat> it's just as difficult as it was for you 15 years ago or for me when I came out. Um, okay. Because it is definitely subjective. I think it's relative. But I think that the key to getting free is understanding and knowing that you can pray every day. For me, anyway, I realize that I could pray every day. For the rest of my life, to wake up one day as a white person, because seemingly in this country white men have it easier. And I don't mean gay white men; I just mean white men. Period. I mean period. Have man. it easier mm-hmm. in this country, right? But that's never going to happen. And it doesn't mean that prayer isn't doesn't work. It just means that you have to adjust to the life that you were given. Given. And my sexuality is just as indigenous to me as my skin color, my hair color, my eye color. You don't get to choose those things, but that's a part of. The lie that was propagated in our culture, you know, in particular, you know, we we've, we've been taught that all you have to have is just a is a is a mustard seed of faith, and you can change, and you can be delivered, and that
0: prayer
1: mm-hmm. isn't
4: magic. Prayer isn't magic, and God is okay with you being exactly who you are. So I think the first key is just knowing who you are and knowing your truth. Like you don't you don't just get to decide. Like sexuality is instinctive; it's how we're wired. It's not decided. It's not something well, you just decide.
1: I truly believe that. What 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 is your response to? Because um, you know, you, I I I think that you're you know still a you know religious person or inspirational person. So like, what what do you what do you say to those that are living the lifestyle that that you know we're in or you know are, if you want to call it lifestyle or whatever, but you know they live the lifestyle but still have those religious beliefs and those religious barriers that say, or they speak to themselves and say what they're doing is wrong. You know how how do you how do you have conversations with people that um, that differ? You know, have a, a different
4: outlook on sexuality. The first thing that I would say is being gay and being religious or spiritual is not a contradiction. They one can happen with the other. You know what I mean? So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, for me, I, for me, in terms of reconciling my um, sexuality with my spiritual beliefs, but see, I don't, I'm not one who's big on religion because religion has always been run and ruled by man. For not me, me. Mm-hmm. I've always been focused on um, spirituality and my connection. I pray every single night on my knees. My grandmother taught me that. Mm-hmm. I talk about that in the book, but I pray yeah, every yeah. single night on my knees, and I and I focus on my connection with God. I believe that your conscience. Your conscience is your direct link, your direct connection to God. That's it. That's it. You know, and we have to remember that, you know, religion has always been about power and control and and mind manipulation. And if you deviate from the quote-unquote norm, then you're somehow deviant.
1: I I don't. I don't believe that. Um, right. And I, I, I think even for me, Craig, um, you know, I, I went to I, I we spoke about it um uh, earlier in the week or last week or whatever, but you know, I when I was reading your finishing up your book or whatever, um, I was like, Oh, you went to do beginning and I was like, mm, you know, I, I went there for <laughs> 2003 to like two I would say, what year was that? Maybe two thousand three to two thousand and ten and then I joined Changing a mm-hmm. Generation and then I was there until I moved up in the DMV area. But I noticed that I started to, having grown up in the church, you know, and really, believe, you know, believe, you know, mostly everything that, you know, I'm in a little Baptist church in, in uh, Conway, South Carolina. But uh, then when I, I went to Atlanta, then I experienced, you know, um, new beginning and changing the generation. And then I just, you know, I started kind of toggling back and forth and kind of um, having some conflicting things and, you know, uh, about sexuality and religion and, and all of that good stuff. And like you said, you know, you're sitting in church, and then you know the the subject comes up. <laughs> you know, sometimes the homosexual, mm-hmm. you know, homosexuality comes up, and it's just like, ah, oh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to have to sit in church and then eyes on me or the conversations about who I am, you know, so to speak. So mm-hmm. how now, you know, at 33, I kind of I tend to go to the spiritual. You know, the spirituality for me is important. Mm-hmm. So it's not about sitting in a church or having anything against churches or whatever, but it's more about having a spiritual connection and just having a relationship, you know, with the father. You know what I'm saying? Um mm-hmm. and, and and I think that a lot of um gay well, people that I grew up with over the I, you lived in Atlanta for thirteen, I lived in Atlanta for twelve. And um, you know, that's a lot of a lot of us struggled with that for for a while. You right. know, just the church Versus the gay and the religion and all that kind of stuff. So, but I, I thought that your book and when you spoke about that, it just was like it was it was an eye opener for me, and it made me feel like okay, I'm not wrong, you know. Even though this is, this, this this is my roots, those are my roots, growing up in church and always being there every Sunday, you know, the I Oh, that's great, you know. But I just it was kind of like a reaffirming for me, you know, that it was okay, right. just to be spiritual and just have my relationship with him.
4: It, it, so, and, you um, know, one of the dysfunction one of the dysfunctions of the church is that it teaches that there's only one way, and if it deviates from that one way, that it's wrong. It, it, it's wrong. So mm-hmm. and it, it, it's that very reason that we have some men who are suicidal that are moving uh-huh. throughout this community depressed. Um, it's the reason that some men marry women. It's the reason,
0: mm-hmm.
4: you know, some little boy is afraid to tell his mommy or daddy that he's gay. You know what I mean? And and there's this whole quote-unquote phenomenon of the DL man or the closeted man or whatever it is because we haven't we haven't created a space for society where we allow these men to to live and stand in their truth. I don't believe that every single man that's gotten married to a woman did it with the intention. Of deceiving her,
0: something yes.
4: There's a crop of men who did just for the sake of deceiving. But I believe that there's a crop of men who got married or are in relationships with women right now who know that they're gay, but they're doing that because they believe that's the only way that they can that they that they can exist. They believe that mm-hmm. that it is wrong to be gay. You understand? So it's it's, just, it's such a complicated thing, and that's why. I wanted to write this book. Again, I, it was, I can't even say that I wanted to write this book. I believe I was called to write this book because I never even dreamed of writing a book. And I believe that the reason that this book has been moving from small cities in the U.S. like Rome, Georgia, and Savannah all the way down to South Africa and the U.K. And keep in mind, I do not have a publicist. I don't have a publicist, and I don't have a major publishing company behind me. I self-publish. But I believe that this book is moving and it has become a movement. And since the beginning, i said that this is more than a book, that it's a movement. I believe yes, that it's yes. moving in the way that it is because I was obedient and I sold everything of value that I had when I was living in Atlanta back in 2011. I sold everything of value. And I moved to L.A. just because of an instinct, just because of mm-hmm. an instinct. And it wasn't until I got there and got settled into L.A., that I sat down to the computer, and at the time I, I was borrowing somebody's computer. I was writing my thoughts on somebody else's computer, and I would email it to myself at the end of the night. And then I saved up and got a computer, and I ended up writing this book. And when I first started writing it, I thought that I was only writing about the 13 years of living in Atlanta, but I realized that it was so much bigger than that. But one of the other things that I would say, too, is this book is some of the relationships that I had here in Atlanta, um, it's, it's some of the mistakes that I made because I think that Atlanta is a perfect example of a city full of tens looking for an 11. And what I mean is we have so yes. many great guys that are, that are relationship material and relationship ready, but we lose focus. We lose focus. Mm-hmm. We have a great thing. And because we live in this city that that's, that's, uh, there's an influx of beautiful men and everybody's working out,
0: we think that, mm-hmm. that we're missing
4: out on something. We think we're missing out on something. We're in search for something that isn't there. Something that's unrealistic. We're looking for perfection. So I write about some of the relationships that I had here in Atlanta, some of the mistakes that I made in some of those relationships. Um, So I hope that some guy will pick this book up and see through the mistakes, the errors of my ways, and be better because Mm of it. Because for me, success is about living your life in such a way that somebody else breathes easier.
1: Most definitely, most definitely, and, and and that book that book is definitely a teacher, and um, I know as I was reading it because. I got it back with it. I think it was October ish, and I started reading. I was like, "Oh, mm-hmm. this book is good." But what I would do, I would read it at work, you know, between my little breaks or whenever I wasn't doing anything. And then I would put it down. And normally I don't do that, but I was, you know, I would I would say, "You know what? Let me do it in moderation <laughs> because I want to be really warm and ready for you know when we do this interview because we say we we would end up doing it." But um, as I got toward the end, I, I say maybe the last hmm, 150 pages or whatever, like I just mm-hmm. was like this is you know there's. You know, there are a few things that aren't me, but for the most part, mm-hmm. this is I, I. I've been in this. This this was me. You know, I've been in this situation. I've had this happen. I've lost people. All that good stuff. And and I was and, and then from there, and having people, other people, you know, get the book or whatever from my friends, and they're sitting here like, oh my mm-hmm. God, like he's just talking about exactly what what I've gone through. And so um, it's definitely a testament to not only your life, but it's also a testament of what we. What we've been through, and we can pull from your story. So I definitely appreciate appreciate that. I want to ask you about this. In the book, you spoke about your, you meeting Tyler Perry. You know, Tyler Perry coming to um, see your play, A Day in the Life. Um, him coming to the the stage play, and um, and then and then running into Brandy. I believe it was at a, a nail shop or a salon or, or one of the places. It was and a nail salon and spa here. Yeah. Okay, and flying out to L.A. to attempt to write for her new album at the time. Um, While with both experiences, both celebs are still relevant today, Um, what's your relationship with the both of them now?
4: Well, I actually have not spoken to Tyler since Um, he came to the show. Well, actually, I've spoken to him since the show. In the book, I talk Mm -hmm. about how after he came to my show, um, he called Mm -hmm. the show Brilliant. He gave me $1,000. And then two months after that, there was an eviction notice on my door, and I was calling him to follow up on a previous conversation that we had about taking my show national. He was supposed to put me in touch when he said that he would put me in touch with a promoter to take the show national. So this was back in 2002. So this Mm -hmm. was 13 years ago. And so um, when I called him, it was on that phone call that he told me he would not put me in touch with a promoter because in a day in the life, he says, I say that it's okay to be gay, and uh-huh. he didn't feel like he could support that. And so we ended up having this 45-minute conversation, I, and I go into it in the book. I won't tell you all of it, but right.
0: um,
4: <laughs> at the, after that time, he would give me tickets to all of his shows. I had never seen a Tyler Perry play at that time, and so he would give me tickets okay. to his shows, and I would, I would call him, and I realized that every time a show came and I was calling and getting these tickets, that I was really only going because I thought, He would, at some point, take me under his wing and show me the rope, but he wasn't going to do that. And one of the things, one of the other themes you asked me about the themes in the book, one of the other Mm -hmm. things that I try to bring out in the book is that you are enough. There is no one that you need to do anything that you're trying to do, you know, because you alone are enough. And at the time, I didn't realize it, but my confidence just hadn't caught up with my talent. You understand? So everything was right, yeah, yeah. I was doing then, but I just didn't believe in enough in myself. I thought that I needed a gatekeeper to open the door for me. Same case exactly. with Brandy. When I met Brandy, uh-huh. I was going into this salon and spa. My greeting cards were in this uh, salon and spa here. And she actually was in the chair getting her hair done by a guy that I know. And so I stopped and we would talk. I was talking to him and somebody else. And so we started talking, and she and I ended up meeting that way. That was initially how we met. And then several months later, we found ourselves at a wedding. This whole story is in the Uh book. We found ourselves at a wedding, and Uh we connected at the reception. We exchanged. I got her number, and then we became friends. And at the time, she was dating Quentin Parker. That's the basketball player she was engaged to.
0: And Uh so
4: that was during the time of her life that I was present. And we talked every single day. And she was going through this breakup. I had just gone through a breakup. So that was one of the the common grounds that we had. And so if the songs that I had written with or for her had been on the album, it would have been on that that on the Human album. Because shortly after our interaction was when she had the car crash. And that was the last time that I had really spoken to her. I sent her a text to tell her that I was praying for. But at that point, I just felt like the relationship, the quote-unquote friendship was one-sided. And for uh-huh. me it was about getting back to me. So I deleted her cell phone number. So I, I no longer have her number so I haven't talked to her uh in years. So that was the last okay. time that I actually spoke to her.
1: All right. it's interesting.
4: Uh what what motivates you, Craig? What 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 truly motivates you? Each and every day or? You know, for me, um, I write about the, the experiences, my personal experiences, but I also write write about the experiences of um friends and people that I know and I love.
0: But underneath
4: all of it, I try to write things that will reach, that will teach, that will heal. And in particular, um I, I believe that there's a there's a special part of my work that is for black gay men. Um
0: okay.
4: because we, we we really need a voice. And I'm not at all yes, saying that I, I I am the only voice, but I know mm-hmm. that we need a voice. We need someone to mm-hmm. really speak to and for us and uh, be an example, you know, because when I think about the heroes in the black community, I think about the Oprahs and the Magic Johnsons and people like that. But they really had and, and, and we already know what Oprah's platform is and Magic Johnson's platforms are, you know, but there really isn't anybody who's really standing up and speaking out for the little black gay boy.
0: For us, that's, right. that's right. Well, right, I, so. I think that
1: you, I, I think you're, I think you're well on your way. Trust me, all the tapes in, in the inbox. I'm kidding. Um, I, I definitely believe that you're you're well on your way. Um, what do you like to do in your spare time? You know, when you're not touring and or writing or anything of that nature, what do you just like to do in your spare
4: time? I, I love to cook. I love to cook. I, okay. I love to. I love music. So I love time search. I'm a I'm a movie person. Um, I love traveling. So that's that's pretty much what I love. Fitness. I love fitness. I, I, I work out. So yeah, those what's are the your, things what's, that, what's your favorite dish,
0: to
4: cook? To cook or to.
0: Uh, um, no, to cook. To what's your favorite
4: dish to, to cook? cook? It would have to be seafood because I'm from Maryland, so some kind of a fish. <laughs> or, <laughs> I'm from Maryland, so you know, and then down here in Atlanta, like you really just don't have. um uh, oh, tell me about it. French, <laughs> so, yeah, so like when I go out. Like I don't really buy or order seafood when I'm out when I'm
2: here.
1: Mm-hmm. It's just not. It's just not the same. Yeah, I can I can relate because you know I come I I'm from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. You know where right there by the water, seafood restaurants, all you can eat. We have a Calabash Drive. You know all that good stuff. So right. I moved to Atlanta at 19, and I'm looking for the seafood. It's like it was nowhere to be found. So of course, when I moved up here. Um, To Maryland in 2013, it was like, okay, you know, I'm back. You know, I I, 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 Mm. eat almost every day. Okay, so your favorite dish is seafood. Um, uh, Who's your favorite artist? Mm. You know, that's always a tough
4: question for me because I'm such a a music person. Like, I love music. Like, I'll listen to anything from – I love Brandy as an artist. Like, it was amazing working with her in the studio, like, to watch her her vocals and just how effortless it was. So I'm a Brandy mm-hmm. fan. I'm still a Brandy fan. I love See. I love uh, Coldplay. Um, I love J. Cole. I'm a J. Cole fan. Okay. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I just love music. Like, I can go from uh, Maroon 5 to Liz Wright, which is like a, a jazz artist. I actually write about Liz Wright in the book. Yes, 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 yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. What was the last concert you attended? Because you say you like to attend concerts. So, what was the last concert you attended? The
4: last concert I attended was, I think it was, you know, I think it was Frankie Beverly and Mays. It was back in September. when okay. They were here in Atlanta. I was just visiting. Okay. No, I was in the back here. And um, I think that was the last show that I went to. But I'm a Teaser Moses fan. A lot, I'm sure a lot of your listeners know who Tia Moses. Is. Yeah, yeah, I'm a Moses. I think I saw her right before before them. But yeah, I'm I'm a music person. Like I love music. Like that's
1: my thing. Okay, all right. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna have to get back into the concerts, and they have a lot up here. But I'm just sometimes I can be a little lazy. But I'm I'm gonna get back into it. Um, what I want you to do now, uh, if you can, you know, I want you to share a bit of your your work with us. So, from um, if I'm, if I'm not um, uh, if I'm not mistaken, you have something prepared um, for us to listen to, and for the listeners to listen to, to get them, you know, to go and
4: buy that book. <laughs> of course, you know, you know, you book. Know I'm always ready. I got that. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, so, I want to read a piece. It's just a small piece from um, from Words Never Spoken. It's a chapter called Testing the Waters, and it actually okay. speaks to a depression that I experienced and the symptoms of that depression. And so I chose this piece because I think that it really, really will be appropriate for the listening audience. Um, And I remember when I first wrote this part, like, it was very difficult for me to write it. Like, there were a lot of tears. Um, There was a lot of release. And in the beginning, when I first started touring, doing the book tour, I couldn't even read this part publicly. So anyway, um, but it's from a chapter called Testing the Waters. One of the best parts of life is when you can admit the truth to yourself about yourself. Thus, I've come to understand my experience with anonymous sex with strangers i met on the Internet resulted from a bout with depression. Cyberspace is a world where one can become something he isn't, but everything he dares to be. One can find whatever he cares to imagine because the biggest part of the illusion is what's created in the mind of the person logging on. It's the story we create about a total stranger that allows us to be enraptured in conversation for countless hours until we're bold enough to meet. Many of the characters online are there for sex and demand in their profiles that you're naturally masculine. But the sites allow those who are naturally feminine to sound masculine through messages like, What's up? Some even specify that you be of a particular race, height, weight, or physique before you consider messaging them. But those specifications don't prevent some from being duplicitous by using fake or altered photos. The Internet can serve as a magnet for those of us rebounding from a breakup or a resource for the resilient that believe love can be found online and foolish enough to believe the odds are in disfavor to find it on a sex site. Sex sites are the unofficial antidote for loneliness. It's a device for the depressed, as well as a sounding board for homophobic men and those frustrated with being jaded, heartbroken, and disappointed. My depression moved quickly and deliberately before I realized it was occupying a section of my life. It wasn't just the residual effects of the breakup, but career lows and financial setbacks, too. The depression I experienced was rooted in sex, but it wasn't just about the depression. It was years of suppression and denial erupting. My suppression was a conscious depression. I was clear that I had been holding back feelings of being with men. It was like a disease that lay dormant that suddenly surfaced. I was like a church girl who had been sheltered from the world by her minister father only to break loose and run wild the first time she left home. I had multiple screen names to increase my chances of meeting someone attractive. The majority of the profiles noted HIV negative under status but I knew better from the work I had done in the HIV community. I knew one out of three black gay men was positive. At any given time, there were thousands of men online, but only a few listed they were positive on their page and others left it blank and indicated they too were positive. The messages I found in my inbox validated me in my depression. In some strange way, they reinforced that I was worthy and deserving. I never used naked pictures nor did I use face pictures as my primary photo. Days became weeks and months of me surfing for sex. This erotic surfing was a poor attempt to avoid emotional wounds that wouldn't heal fast enough for me. It prevented me from thinking too much about what was happening in my life personally, financially, and professionally. Some rebound from breakups at the expense of another person's feelings, while others sit patiently in the pain and process through it. I used the Internet to cope. My days consisted of waking up and logging on to see how many messages had accrued overnight. Some days I sat at the computer all day. I'd look up and the day would be over. Hmm. The only time I'd stepped away from the computer was to eat or go to the to the gym. This addiction was monopolizing my time and it had borrowed out of control. Phone calls with my friends and family were met with brevity because my attention was occupied by online conversations. No one could compete for my attention. I was locked in a trench, reading the messages and scrolling through the naked pictures on the other profiles. I left social gatherings early to return home to surf online. There was a science to my madness. I kept the site up while I was gone so I could accumulate messages while I was away from the computer. I sometimes returned to double-digit messages flashing for me. For my own peace of mind, I made small talk with the guys I met in person. So They weren't total strangers to me when we had sex It was my way of mitigating the shame I felt Of having sex with someone I didn't know I even rationalized the sex by reminding myself That I was fucking them They weren't fucking me But I still couldn't get used to the emptiness It was embarrassing running into guys I met on the internet At parties or social events Only to pretend we didn't know each other Because neither of us wanted to fess up to meeting In such a desperate way it's a sick secret so many share. So that's just a little clip from Words Never Spoken.
1: Thank you so very much. Um, <laughs> we had a conversation uh, online when we were getting ready for this, and um, it was our, you know, I told you, like, I want you to read, you know, you, you was like, well, hey, you know, I, well, I want to read a, a section from the book. And um, mm-hmm. you told me the mm-hmm. section, I'm like, Oh, no, that's a section I want you to read. It was it was, it was it was really crazy that that was a section that I wanted you to read, but um, I wanted you to read that section simply because of everything. I don't think that um, we as, as gay men, you know, I remember being on the sites, the Men for Now, the BGC, the Adam for Adam. You know what I'm saying? Like you said, having mm-hmm. the multiple accounts mm-hmm. and this, that, and the other. You know, I remember mm-hmm. that, and I, I don't think that a lot of us – Know during those times, or really um, look within ourselves to to really ask the question why, you know why are we doing this? Why are we on it? You mm-hmm. know, is are we are we trying to get this validation? Are we hide, we're hiding behind these screen names? And like the thing, as you say, it really um, spoke to me. You know, we'll be out. No, this is years ago because 'cause I't left that alone. years mm-hmm. ago, but you know you know going out and you go to a party, you go to the club and you just met this man and you done did something with him, you know two nights two nights ago, and you just walk by like you don't even know him, you know what I'm saying mm-hmm, and it, it, mm-hmm, it, it, mm-hmm. It, it was it just it was like that's that's everybody that, well, not everybody, but that's the majority of us, especially and, and I'll um, even take it a step,
4: I'll even take it a step further, Mike, and say for me, for me. When I came into this community, because I don't use the word lifestyle because lifestyle gives the indication that it's a choice or that it's you know. Mm. So when for me when I came into this community, I thought at the time at 22 years old, I thought that random anonymous sex was a rite of passage into the gay community. Mm. I thought it was something that had to happen, and it doesn't have to happen. Everyone no, knows doing it. Everyone isn't right. doing it. And I realized that the friends that I had who ushered me into the gay community were people who did that. And so that had an impact on my experience as a gay person.
2: What, and so what for would me, you... When I,
4: like you said, like you were saying a moment don't forget your question. Like you were saying a moment okay. ago, like <laughs> I was using Adam for Adam and BGC. Of course, mm. nowadays you have these mobile apps. And I promote the yes on the mobile app. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And there are people, I've come across people who know who I am or know know about the book, and some of them get it right away. They're like, oh, wow, this is ingenious for you to be on here promoting. And I actually have a YouTube link of me reading that piece that I just read on my Jack's account. And so okay. I, it, it really is about meeting people where they are because I know that if Jack was created when I was in that space of having casual sex, I would have been on Jack. But... I, once you get to the root of why you do it, you'll never look at it the same, and you'll never go back to it. And I talk about that right. in the book, like how I walked away from it. It wasn't just a flipped decision, and it didn't happen overnight. You have to lean towards wanting to be better. But what was your
1: question? You, you, you well, you uh, no. My, my 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 question was, you know, um, I'm sure you've read this particular piece um, to, you know, at various book signings, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I have so, to, like, so every so,
4: time that so, I do a time, I have to read that.
1: So, what type of feedback do you get, or what type of questions do you do you um, do you get from from your uh, listening audience at the time when after you read that? Like, <laughs> well, what do you normally hear?
4: I I hear people saying I I hear people making remarks in the audience, it's, you know, like they snapping their fingers.
1: Uh-huh. Um,
4: I hear people saying yes, yeah, you know what I mean. Like like I mean, it's, uh-huh. it's very, Like I, it's always a reaction and um, I've seen people tearing up. I've, I've seen people come up, and they, they'll give me a hug and say, oh, my God, this is me. Thank you for saying this. I thought this was, I thought this was just my life, like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and, and especially on Jack, since I promote on there, and like I said, there's a video link, a YouTube link on my Jack page where I'm reading that part, and I can't begin to tell you the countless emails that I've gotten from guys on Jack who said, you know what? I am depressed. You just made me realize that because I was just going through a breakup, I just broke up with my boyfriend for five years, 12 Mm -hmm. years, or whatever it is, you know, I've been using this for validation, and you know, and so it just makes me feel good that I was able to write it, because there were many times that I wasn't even sure that I was going to release this book, because it is so personal. It is so personal. And, um, but, you know, again, I I believe that I was called to do this. I believe I was called to write this book, and so, there was no other option but to
1: release it. Well, I, I, I definitely appreciate you for touching on that because um, uh, I mean it's it's a lot of, you know it's a lot of men out there that are still going through it. Um, but you know, well, mm-hmm. I, I'll ask you this: for the ones that are still going through that, what, what is your your real raw and because I have a, a, an installment called Real Raw and Uncut. So, what what will be your you know outside of what you said in the book? What will be your real raw and uncut advice to those that are you know constantly on those sites, be it jacked, Grinder, whatever, you know, Adam for Adam, what would be your advice to them when it comes down to um, to just really being on those sites and, and that consuming their lives? For
4: me, I knew that that was no way that I wanted to live. I couldn't continue living like that. For me, I was on and off the sites, not the mobile apps, because, again, the mobile apps weren't created. But to me, they're one and the same. But I was on the Internet for about five years, on and off. And it was only because I was at the, and I talked about this in the book but so briefly, I went to I was working for um a phone and internet company here in Atlanta and I ended up going out on short term disability and one of the requirements for getting the disability was that I had to go to a counselor. And I was mm-hmm. just really going to this counselor just trying to secure my check. I was I just wanted to make sure that I was really get, gonna get paid. Get your payment. And so yeah. right, to get my payment. And so I was just playing with this counselor. And then one day I heard myself say, I've been meeting guys on the internet that I don't know and having sex with them, you know? And when I look back and think about it, like I was rationalizing this anonymous sex with someone that I didn't know, you know, by saying Mm -hmm. to myself, well, I'm fucking them. They're not fucking me. So it's not as bad, but it felt empty. Even then it felt empty. Um, So for me, it was consuming my life, and I'm not saying whether or not you should use Jack or Grinder or whatever else there is, but for me, it was occupying too much of my life, and I remember feeling heavy when I came off those sites. I felt worse than I did when I logged on. I felt more depressed, Um, and so for me, I, I just didn't like the way I felt, and so I knew that I had to put an end to it, so that's what it was for me.
1: Gotcha. I just have a few um, a few more questions for you, but I want to touch on um, two things in the book, and uh, definitely uh, these are more of advice, you know, giving um, giving us advice. Uh, in the book, you you moved in with Carrington, and then um, I believe Raylon wanted to move in as well at some point. So um, I yeah, wanted to ask sure. you a question. Um, <laughs> I want to ask you a question. In your opinion, <laughs> with the life experiences that you've had along the way, when is too early to move in with your lover, partner, or boyfriend, and what type of conversation should one have before they make the step to become live-in lovers?
4: Uh, in my opinion, anything under a year mm-hmm. is too soon.
1: Okay, under a year too soon. Everybody
4: hear that? I'm in in right. my opinion, anything under a year is too soon. Because, I mean, okay. like, what's the rush? What is the rush? Like, we're so yeah. anxious to be, to be in a relationship, to be partners. But, you know, what mm-hmm. I would say is I've had plenty of boyfriends in my day, but I've never had a partner. I'm looking for a partner right. at this point. There's a difference mm-hmm. between having a boyfriend and having a partner. A boyfriend is transitory. That's something that happens in passing. I want a mm-hmm. I want a partner because I'm looking for a permanent fixture, fixture. I want a witness to my life. I want somebody to be there to witness the good, the bad, the ugly, and to be able to walk and carry, carry me through that. And I do the same yeah. thing for him. So you can't really build that kind of a foundation in 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, you know. Favor it. What, what, Favor the relationship. Allow it to build. Allow the person to show you who they are. What type of conversation
1: should, should the oh, have?
4: Prior to that? hmm Mm-hmm. Well, you know, for one, I, I mean, you have to have the same kinds of ideals. And that's the other thing that I've realized as yeah. as a result of relationships. It's not enough to have things in common. Oh, we like the same kind of music. Oh, we like the same kind of food. And, you know, it's mm-hmm. not enough to have commonality. Like you really right. have to have similar visions and ideas for how the relationship should flow, how the relationship right. should move, because your mm-hmm. ideas should they don't have to be completely matched, but they definitely need to be parallel.
0: Right. Because otherwise, you're, you're, I, you'll
4: be in a, a uh, you'll be in a tug of war in your relationship because you're pulling in one direction and he's pulling in the other direction. But if you're in sync, you're moving in the same direction. So you need and, to have those and, kinds of conversations to see to make sure that the kind of relationship
1: you want is the same kind of relationship mm-hmm. your partner wants. And and, and, and I, I totally I totally get you on that, Craig, and this is something I spoke about on in previous shows and um just with my around my friends and, and things of that nature, you know, because of course I learn from a lot of people. I've been through my own experiences I've had with three lovers or whatever, um, or partners, whatever. Uh, well, they're not partners, so I'll say they're lovers or boyfriends over the years. But um, what I noticed, and you learn something, you know, you learn stuff about yourself, you know, new stuff every day, you know. And I believe that from one relationship to another, you know, if, if that happens, that you take from that the good and the bad, and you apply you know, what what didn't go so right, you know, toward the next relationship mm-hmm. as to better yourself and and, and to, of course, um, add positive to the next relationship. But um, mm-hmm. well, speaking, going back to conversation, um, I what I tell my, you know, my friends and, and the conversations I have now is the conversation needs to be had. You know, there's conversations that, that need to be had before you, you know, really engulf yourself in a relationship as well as before you even get into the part of living with one another, and I think what has mm-hmm. happened for me and a lot of my friends is that you know we go with the flow. You know what I'm saying? So we go with the flow. Mm-hmm. We deal with things as they come, and of course we have to do that already. But I think a lot of people fail to have the tough conversations prior to because they're gonna they're scared they're gonna um, scare their lover or their boyfriend away, or you know they're gonna run out on them or whatever it can be. And I just think that I mean you can tell me you know if you agree or not, but I just feel like. People um, aren't doing as much talking anymore or really communicating because, of course, communication is definitely key, you know, but just sitting down and just ironing out all, you know, you don't have to give them – I said you don't have to give them one through a hundred, you know what I'm saying, but, mm-hmm. you know, tackle those big topics because what you don't want to happen is that, you know, later on you start running into these big roadblocks because – it was a conversation that could have been had in the beginning, you know, especially when it comes down to living and living with someone. And I've lived with other three; I live with two of them, you know. So, um, mm-hmm. and, and I'm guilty of it rushing in, you know, when you were in, in the book and, and and you were talking about living with a guy and all that kind of stuff. It wasn't supposed to be the way that it happened, but it is what it is, you know. Well, so because we're a lot of to
4: Well, we yeah, we a lot of times we we avoid the difficult conversation. Yeah. A and then and then B. A lot of times we move into these relationships or these living situations because we're doing it because of circumstance, not because the relationship is ready to graduate to the next level. And when I say circumstance, mm-hmm. I mean, oh, well, it'll be cheaper if we live together and we can split the bills. Like right. A lot of people are doing it because, it's, uh, because of a circumstance or because you're about to be put out of your apartment so we're going to go ahead and rush into this thing and move in together. But that's not always the answer. You know, and Not that's one of the things that I realized, and I write about in the book as well. Like, I should have graduated. The relationship should have graduated to certain steps, to certain levels. Because, mm-hmm. you know, if you've only seen the person, if the relationship has only experienced euphoria, if you've only experienced mm. anytime, and you haven't seen this person angry, you haven't really seen this person go through anything. Um, you haven't, you don't really know the fiber of your relationship until it's challenged. Right. It has to be challenged. You know, and so if you haven't cycled through some things, it's definitely not time to move into a move in together.
1: In the book, um, this is my other one. In the book, Celine was a boyfriend of yours early on who you know contracted the HIV Mm -hmm. virus prior to your relationship. You talked about that early on, but later in the book, you talk about Celine suffering silently because of the virus. Now, with having friends and Mm -hmm. associates diagnosed with the with the virus, and your stage play, a day in the life, speaking on sometimes. Such a taboo topic. Why do you feel mm-hmm. people suffer silently, and what's your best advice for those that are currently suffering silently with the HIV/AIDS virus?
4: I think that um, people still suffer silently, in particular Black gay men, because especially Black gay men. Like our community is so, um, the, the, the pool is so shallow, and what I mean is. Um, it's, not, it's not six degrees separation. I was joking. It's about two degrees. Separation. <laughs> I mean, you can look at Instagram and see like <laughs> like people who know each other. I say one degree. I the would same say two degrees. <laughs> right, right. So I think because it's like one of the things is once you once you tell a secret, you have no control over where that secret goes. And so I think right. people guard their their status so closely because they're they're we can be dangerous with that. I remember when I was just coming into the community, coming into the life, I remember um, us talking or having conversations about people who were positive, you know, Mm -hmm. and and being reckless with it, saying, oh, you know, he's positive or, you know, you know, he's sick. Now the word is clean. And that's so offensive to people who are living with the virus. But um, we have to be careful of our language and how we talk about things. But in terms of being diagnosed, like what I know to be true, every person that I know, that is living with the virus. Um, those who are thriving are those who have embraced their status and they and they and they've made peace with it. Right. Those who succumb to the virus are those who uh, stress about it. Um, they they look at it as a death sentence, and they haven't really um, they haven't really forgiven themselves, quote unquote, for making the mistake. Like I've actually had, I have friends that are positive, one in particular who says, you know, Craig, I don't think I've I've forgiven myself yet for being so stupid is what he said. But what I know mm. is we, we're all one decision away from making the same bad decision
0: that That's someone right. else made. Right.
4: So it really is about being careful. And, and I, I talk about how when I was in my 20s, how I, I, I spoke in so many absolutes. I talked about the things that I would never do and what I always did. Mm-hmm. And you, you really have to be careful about speaking in these absolutes.
0: That's true. That's true.
1: What are um really quickly what are, what are um some current projects or upcoming projects that we should know about to look forward to or any tours um that we should be looking forward to um from Craig Stewart? Yeah, I'm
4: um, actually um the audiobook version of Words Never Social will be available in about 2 weeks. I just finished recording mm-hmm. it. Um so it'll okay. be available in about 2 weeks. But um I'm actually co-writing and co-developing a television series. I can't really talk too much about it. Um Right, right. But it's, but once, I don't want to say if, but once it sells, <laughs> Once, okay, you <it>, <laughs> that. <laughs> things as though they already exist. But right. enough, so I'm working on a television series. Um I'm writing a second book. Um Okay. I still have um, Say It in a Card, the Greeting Card Company. And I was just opposed by... Yeah, I was just approached by Juan and G. Some of you guys may know them there. Oh, yeah. They do the Gentleman's Ball in Atlanta. Well, G just approached me last week, so we're coming together to work on a project, um, a talk show. It's the Juan and G show. So we just started meeting to get the ball rolling for that. So that's a few of the things that
1: I'm working on now, yeah.
0: Okay. All right.
1: um will you be coming up here uh to the DMV area anytime? To or, I, I'm probably I'm sure I missed you already. <laughs> coming up here in reading books. Right.
4: The next time that I will be there is going to be in August. Um okay. For an event anyway, um ask, the ask Racine show. Uh racing. Okay, in yeah.
0: Okay. I'm yeah so me,
4: so, <laughs> okay. Yeah, so she invited me. Okay. Yes, I'm going to do the uh, ask racing show in in August. And so that's the next time I'm going to be there. But everything that I do is posted on my website. My website is so Craig the Writer And so, Craig the Writer from there, like, okay. yeah, um, from that website, it'll take you to Amazon to buy the book or it'll take you to iBooks to download it, however, you want to purchase the book. But everything that I do, I post on um, Craig the Writer The so upcoming, signing, um, you know, whatever it is I'm doing, where I've been, where I'm going to be. And uh, the same thing for like my social media. Craig the Writer Stewart on Instagram, um, Craig the Writer Stewart on Facebook.
0: <laughs> but you can link to okay. all of
4: that from the website.
1: Okay, so Craig the Writer
4: Stewart dot com, correct? Mhm. My YouTube channel. is to take you to there because I also I also post different short video clips and stuff like that. Things that kind of hit me and I kind of record and yeah. So my YouTube channel. it's okay to
1: write. So I'm I'm just going to have fun tonight because I'm I'm sure going to go to the YouTube and and listen, you know, to to the audio or or the videos of you actually um, reading your book. I don't mind it. You know, I don't mind it. I'm actually going to um, – Actually, purchase a copy for one of my friends who who wants it or whatever. So I was like, I'll do that. So I'm I'm gonna do that. Um, one one last thing, and then um, we'll go. Of course, you already um, let our audience know where they can purchase the book, and I'll just say, just go to Craig, CraigTheWriterStewart dot com, and that's um, that's where you able to purchase everything, see everything about you, and look um, for any upcoming appearances. But Craig, what's the best advice you've been given, and what's the best advice you've given a friend? So what's the best advice you've been given and what's the best advice you've given a friend? Oh, wow. Um, The best
4: advice that I've been given is, um, oh, wow, that's a tough one. Um, The best, oh, let me start with this. The best advice that I've given is adapt. Just learn to adapt. Whatever comes your way, um, adapt mm-hmm. to it. Whether it's you're losing a job or you're losing your apartment or your car is in the process of being repossessed, like, go with the flow. Don't, you know, go with the go with the way that the universe and God is trying to push you, you know, because when you resist right. it, it's, it's only much more painful, you know. But when you go in mm-hmm. flow, you're going to end up wherever it is that you're supposed to land because it all happens as it should. But in terms of my right. best advice that I was given, um, <laughs> I, I think that's the first thing that's coming to mind is when I was in high school, my guidance counselor okay. told me, you know, don't always, don't always have, you don't always have to have the last word. Sometimes just, just listen. You know what I mean? You don't always have to have the last mm.
0: word.
4: You know that's so good advice. That would probably be, yeah. <laughs> she said, "You want to be a person that." People say, you know what? And he didn't
1: have to have the last word. <laughs>
0: right. He listened
1: and went with it. Okay. Yeah. Great, great, great. Both are, are great, um, great advice and and, and great um, life lessons. Um, Craig, I just want to say again that I love your book. Um, Thank you so the much. I believe that "Your Words I mean, I honestly believe that the word, uh, the the title, "Words Never Spoken." You know, is it? Um, it's a sheer perfection. I mean that that title is just dead on, you know, and, and I of course I already knew exactly you know, I was asking so that the audience would, you know, kinda get a feel for why you wrote it. But I could already just reading the book I already knew why why you titled it the words that right. were spoken because of, there are things that we just don't necessarily talk about and you know, I'm sure that was very therapeutic for you to be able to put that out on paper. Um it was. So again I could it was absolutely. It. Was. I can relate in so many ways, you know, just to your story. Um, again, you lived in Atlanta for 13 years. I lived there for 12. Um, so, of course, we lived there during the, around the same time. You know, just from your college day, you know, you still trying to figure out who you were to your ATL day, you know, trying to figure out your sexuality, the gays, the mm-hmm. multiple jobs, the failed relationships, the dating thing, all of that. So I really felt mm-hmm. like you were telling my story and a lot of our stories in a sense. So, you know, even down to, and this is a, a big thing for me, you know, even down to this strange relationship that you once kind of had with your father, you know, I get it. I Absolutely. truly do. And I, I I thank you for sharing that story, you know, and I encourage every gay man, I mean every gay man, but especially every black gay man, you know, to go out and pick up the book or get it on your e-readers, Amazon, all of that. You know, Craig has advised all of us on how to purchase it. And trust me, you would not want to put put the book down, even when I didn't want to. I had to, but. I finished it, so that's that's a great thing. Uh, but I especially liked um, Craig how towards the end you put everything into perspective, and it spoke to everything yeah. that you had gone in your coming of age story. So again, Craig, I thank you for writing this book, and I thank you for not only being an inspiration to others, but definitely to me as well. So again, I just want to say thank you so very much. You know, I look forward to seeing you and seeing much more from you in 2015 and beyond.
4: Thank you so much, Mike. I appreciate you having me, and thank you for everyone who's listening and that's been posting on Facebook while we've been, while we've been talking. So thank you so much. I appreciate it.
1: Not a problem, and you have a great night. <laughs> All right, you too. <laughs> thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, to my listening, um, again, thank you so very much, Craig. And to my listening audience, if you could just hold the line for me and allow the, um, the end or the closing to play, I would greatly appreciate it. Of course, we have our um, quote of the week. And um, join us on next week for Micah's Talent Sensation Talent Show, okay? So just hold the line for me, and we'll get right to it. Well, that's actually it for tonight's show, guys, centered in the spotlight. I want to thank my guests tonight, Mr. Kendall Brinkley-Brown, and Mr. Craig Stewart for joining us on tonight. Listeners, please go out and support both of these young men via iTunes, Amazon, and all of social media. Remember, support is everything. Now, if you would like your business, your event, or your upcoming project advertised for a future show, please email us at thetalkwithmica at gmail.com. Again, thetalkwithmica at gmail.com. Also, a special congrats to Chanel Sanchez and Cheyenne Valentino on winning Miss Westland Ball and Westland Grand Empress in Atlanta, Georgia over the past weekend. It was definitely a pleasure judging the competition, and thanks to D. West and Cleve for inviting me. I definitely had a good time. As you know, we end each episode with a quote of the week. So here's this week's quote Not everything is always in one's own hands, but effort is always a personal choice. Grow, get better, pray, focus, grind. And always remember, a positive attitude gives you power over your circumstances instead of your circumstances having power over you. Until next time, everyone be blessed.